tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 15. So I don't remember all the details. I'm not sure exactly when it happened. I think it may have been 20 years ago at a Christian booksellers event that I met today's guest. I remember being so nervous. Uh, As a new author, I felt totally out of my league. I was surrounded by people that I'd admired for years, and I was nearly tongue-tied, which, you know, for a woman like me, a woman of many, many words, that's saying a lot. (laughs) But then Lizzie came along with her arms open wide. She welcomed me not only as a fellow author, but also as a friend. I'm pretty sure that's how everyone feels when they meet Liz Curtis Higgs. She's not only a best-selling author and international speaker, she's a woman that has a heart just like Jesus. So before we start, I have to just kind of add a disclaimer. I am so sorry I've got very lousy audio on my end because I forgot to plug in my mic. (laughs) But listen, just forget about me and focus in on what Lizzie's saying, and you won't even notice. She's that good. So here we go. Oh my goodness, you guys. I am so excited to have Liz Curtis Higgs with me today. She is a dear friend. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but she's also the author of 37 books, which blows my mind. Over 4.6 million in print. She's spoken at 1,800 conferences conferences in all 50 states and 15 foreign countries. She is known as an encourager. And that is exactly what you've been to me, Miss Liz. How are you doing today? I am good. And I I do delight in how long we have known each other. But sadly, how little time you and I in a quiet place have just gotten to sit down, you know, knees to knees, nose to nose and have a conversation about serving the Lord, reading his word, sharing encouragement with women. Our hearts are so knit together, even though we don't get much time together. And that's kind of sad, but (laughs) I know, but we have today and I, I'm just excited to kind of catch up and what God's doing in your life, but also to be able to share you with my listeners, because you, you, my friend have just been a steady a beautiful influence in, in the Christian market through your writing, but your speaking. Um, I just, I just love you so, 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 so much. And so I, first of all, if you wouldn't mind, do you mind sharing your story a little bit? Because I remember the first time I met you and heard your story, I'm just like, Oh my word, God, you are so cool. Would you tell us about that? About how cool God is? Oh boy, oh boy. What I <laughs> Um, Yeah, it's interesting because I think there's all kinds of testimonies. There is the one where you meet the Lord, and I think that's the one you're talking about. And uh, what a a joy that was 37 years ago. I can't even believe I'm saying that, but it is. It's 37 years ago this month. Um, And I came to the kingdom kind of kicking and screaming. I thought I was running from God for a decade, doing all that stuff we did in the 70s, for those of us who lived through and maybe I should say survived the 70s. Um, You know, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was pot, booze, and cocaine. And it was just an awful lot of men. 
sigh. Uh, I was just looking, as the old song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. But love what was, was what I was looking for, acceptance, approval, somebody to look at me and say, yes, you're the one I want. And when we're desperate for that, we do the craziest things, things that we know in our in our minds are not wise, safe, or, you know, intelligent or anything. But that desperate heart need can drive us to do really the stupidest things. And so that's where I was for 10 years doing all the dumb stuff you do between 17 and 27. Then God brought the perfect ambassadors into my life. Brand new Christians. Oh my goodness. So brand new. (laughs) Here's from the baptistry, you know. And because they had just met him and knew of his redemptive power, um, they were not put off by me, even, you know, though I smelled like booze and cigarettes and had a mouth like a sailor. Um, they were co-workers of mine and they, they saw past all that to see the broken woman inside. And that's who they loved. They loved the broken woman. The Liz on the outside, the Liz in the flesh would not have been lovable or anybody you thought savable. Is that a word? Savable? <laughs> I think it's a good one. <laughs> but, um, but in their kindness, they just took me as I was and loved me as I was, taught me what they knew. Remember, they're brand new Christians, but they were so on fire for God. They were so in love with his word. They had a Bible in every room of their house. They had one in their car. They had one at work. I had never met people like that. My Christian was a very stuffy, uptight, not loving, and very judgmental person. And they were none of those things. They were loving and open and grace-giving. Um, they didn't compromise the word. They were really quick to call me on something. If I you know, said, oh, we can do this, right? They'd say, no, you cannot. Um, and they often said to me, stop making it all about you, Liz. Uh, I needed that in my early seeking months. Five months after I met them, I met Jesus. And um, of course, the truth was he had known me all along. Um, But I finally had my eyes opened. I think of our um, men on the road to Emmaus. It says their eyes were closed and then their eyes were opened. And I feel like that's what happened to me. God opened my eyes February 21st, 1982. I remember the day really well. Um, and I went forward in church, uh, having never done such a thing in my life, didn't even really know what that meant, except I knew I needed Jesus. And that's what you did is you, you went forward and said, I need Jesus. Um, they threw me in the baptistry, uh, didn't ask any questions, <laughs> trusted God. Um, and there we go. I, I was teaching within months. Is that not crazy? Wow. But isn't that God? You know, that's what I love. I think that we have this idea that God has this little cookie cutter woman that he can use. But one of the delightful things is to find out how absolutely creative he is and how if we'll just put our lives in his hands, he'll use it. And what what I love, you know, you and I have talked about this. You, You wrote Bad Girls of the Bible and I wrote Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World, kind of the good girls of the Bible. And my story is so different than yours and raised in the church, too afraid to to go off track, probably. But I needed a savior just as much. Yes. 
absolutely. And I think sometimes we don't realize that we, we think, well, uh, my story is too dark. Um, or, or on the flip side, like me, well, my story is really boring. <laughs> How could God use me? Exactly. And here's what I always say to people who say, well, my testimony is boring. I'm like, so in other words, you met Jesus as a child and you've walked with him ever since. They'll say, yeah. And I'll say, do you know how exciting that is for a mother to consider for her children? That is the testimony we want for our kids. Mm, So it's exciting. We need to know that that can happen, that you actually can walk with him your whole life. And those of us who are FBGs, former bad girls, we need to know that his grace extends far enough to cover the most outrageous kind of foolishness. Um, and he is oh, so good. And may I just say, and this is a little riskier, but I got to go there. He also continues to cover my sins. Amen. I think I had the idea that when I came to know Christ and I was forgiven for my mess, that now I had to straighten up and fly right. Now it was up to me to get it right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, when you go down that road, boy, oh boy, <laughs> you're not going to last very long before you realize, um, you know, I can't do this by myself. For me, that was the even bigger aha was not just to realize that Jesus would forgive me for my past, but that he would strengthen me and continue to pour grace over me in my present and was in fact fully prepared for the sins I don't even know I'm going to do tomorrow. Mm. He knows them. He has already died for them. I am already forgiven for them. It's thinking to me to realize that. And it's that that sets us free to live in righteousness when we realize our righteousness is as filthy rags, but his righteousness is big enough in us to cover it all. Wow, wow, wow. That's an, that's an aha for me every day of my life. Exactly. Uh, to me, honestly, that's the best part of the good news. <laughs> because if all I have is heaven one day, you know, if my sins are forgiven and I have heaven one day, but it's all up to me, then that's just torment because I'm constantly falling short. And that really is my testimony is coming to the end of myself and finding out that his grace met me there. And it meets me every day. I actually just did a solo show on the incredible power of grace because I think we kind of limit it to, um, you know, I've been saved by grace, not by works. Uh, But we don't realize that the same grace that saves us is the grace that wants to change us. Yep. That's the best part, at least for me, the best part of the good news. Oh, yes, absolutely. It is the best part of the good news. That's why it's good news. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. And it continues. What I want to go back to something you said, you know, that after you got saved, you were actually teaching within months. And I, I love that because I was reading a little bit online um, of your testimony. And you talked about how you actually worked with Howard Stern, who is known as one of the most foul mouths in talk radio. And he said, Lizzie, you got to clean up your act. (laughs) If if Howard Stern thought you needed to clean up your act, but God's redemption power was so amazing that he took the thing that you were gifted at talking. And, and when he saved you, he redeemed you and he did clean up your act and give you a message that has literally changed thousands and thousands of women's lives. 
That's amazing. God. See, that's the thing why I think the reason he would use someone like me uh, is only to give him the glory because you could never say, well, clearly Liz was prepared for that because, you know, she studied the Bible all her life and went to church all her life. That's not my story. But I do know that when I came to know him, he gave me this insatiable hunger for his word. You know, mm. I went zero to 60 on that. It was like I ran out bought a Bible. I remember still the night I did it, it was snowing to beat the band. Um, it was dangerous to be out on the roads, but I was determined to get a Bible because I didn't have one. And so, um, so I, you know, I went to the Bible bookstore. My theory was let me buy the biggest Bible they have, because that will be the best. <laughs> <one."> <laughs> I love it. So I bought a great big, thick Ryrie study Bible, uh, NASB. It's still my favorite, honestly. And, um, and took it home and I just couldn't get my face out of that book. I also, and this is only by God's prompting. I unplugged my television. I remember when the cable guy came to take the cable out, he said, so where are you moving to? I said, Oh, I'm not moving anywhere. I'm just moving my TV to the closet. And he was like, have you lost your mind? I'm like, Nope, I just need to redeem the time so I can read the Bible. And he was like, I see. Okay. One of those kind of people. But um, but I knew for myself, I was single and lived alone. The TV was far too tempting for me. So, um, so for a couple of years, I did not have a television in my house. And I just immersed myself in the word. And you know, my dear friend, that when you put the word in, after a while, you're on overflow and it has to come out. So you've got to teach. If, if teaching is your gifting, of course, has to be what God is called you to do. But boy, if he has, you cannot help it. You've got to teach. The fact that anybody was willing to come and be taught by me is what takes my breath away. (laughs) (laughs) You know, after, but some of them didn't know my story. And, you know, I guess I must have passed as a good girl. But as people began to know my story, I, I hope anyway, that it glorifies God more when we are honest about who we were and who we are, that it's still not about us. It is never about us. I always tell an audience, if I say some wise thing, you write it down and I will too, because it's clearly not from me. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, I, I, if it would be okay, I'd love to, if you could give us a little peek, because I think some of us, um, you know, we want to read the Bible, but especially been, we've been good girls and we've been raised in the church. You know, I, one of the things that I really had to cultivate was an appetite for the word because it didn't automatically come naturally to me. But what I think sometimes we all want is a little bit of a peek at how do we approach Bible study in a way that is really alive and living? Would you kind of maybe give us a peek at your walk with God and what that looks like? Well, there's two things that I take to the Bible. One is a delight in the stories and the people of the word. And so that is always my entrance point. I am more likely to come in to scripture looking at the life of a person to see why they're in the Bible, what they have to teach us. So that's one thing. I'm a storyteller at heart, so I'm always drawn to people rather than say, the book of Romans, which I adore. And many of my very favorite verses are out of Romans. 
But wow, baby, that's chewy stuff. We're going to take one verse at a time and <laughs> chew on it for a month, right? Right. So for me personally, I'm loving all the people of the Bible, the good girls, the bad girls, the slightly bads, the mostly goods, whatever <laughs> they are, they are in God's word for a reason and we're meant to study them. The second thing for me, and maybe this is because I didn't grow up in the church, but I attended church. Follow me there. And when I heard the Bible read, it was always read in such a dry, monotone way. First um, Thessalonians 5.18 is sitting in front of me right now. So let me just read it the way I heard the Bible as a kid. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Like, <laughs> boring. So for me, the only way I can make it not boring, heaven forbid, is to slow it down and look at every phrase and sometimes every word. Anybody who has sat under my teaching when I'm doing straight up Bible study teaching, they'll laugh and say, Liz, could we get through a whole verse today? Because, you know, I'm going to look at First Thessalonians 5.18 and said, give Thanks. Okay, right. We're going to stop right there. So if you're giving it, it's something you have to do. It's not something you think about. It's not something you, you know, receive. It's something you give. And then thanks. What does that mean? What am I thankful for? How do we express our thanks in all circumstances? Well, you could do an entire lesson, maybe even a book on in all circumstances, because we do tend to be circumstantial in our thanking. Thank you, God, for this good thing. No thanks, God, for this bad thing. But he doesn't give us that option. Give thanks in all circumstances. So you get the idea. I I like to break it down. And so those are when I do study for myself, it's the same thing. I think I'm always studying with an eye to teaching. So I'm going to spend time in the word being open to who could I share this with? How could I share this? Is it just going to be a quick little thing on Facebook? Is it going to be a whole blog post? Is it going to be a chapter of a book? Is there a story here I could share on the platform? You know, when you're a teacher and been a teacher as long as I have, you're always thinking about application. How can I share this? But of course, I have to learn first or I have nothing to share. That's so good. That is so good. That's so helpful. I love it. For me, the same thing happened. It was when I began to read slowly rather than just, you know, making it something that I check off my to-do list, but really even inviting the Holy Spirit. Would you, would you teach me what I need to know today? And then reading with that eye of what would you want to say to me? Or what would you want to say to the people that are under my teaching? That's, I love that. And you know, whether we're teachers or not, I think coming with that curiosity and that openness, that's really what made the Bible come alive to me. So I'm so glad you shared that. Um, speaking of that verse and giving thanks in all things, you've had, uh, you've had quite a journey these last couple of years. Um, I'm sure that, that that verse was put to test a little bit. Could you talk about that? Well, and it is beautiful how God prepares us for everything. My last um, published book is called um, 31 Proverbs to Light Your Path. And um, I chose the Proverbs based on uh, what a thousand women had told me were their favorites. And I will confess to you, I threw a couple of my own in too. <laughs> But, but it was my typical verse by verse, break it all down word by word. So many of those verses spoke to trusting God. Yeah. And 
you know, but trusting him in all circumstances. Um, this, of course, verse in particular is from the New Testament, but but so many of the Old Testament proverbs were about that. I turned in that manuscript, and then I had a trip to the doctors that didn't go like I thought it would, and I found out I had ovarian cancer. And what fascinating to me about that, what did I say ovarian? It's endometrial. It's sort of all the same thing, but <laughs> it's all gone now, baby. The whole the whole shooting match is gone. Uh, they took it all and, and why not? I mean, I'm 64 years old. I don't need any of that girly stuff anymore anyway. <laughs> but, um, but endometrial, sometimes I say ovarian if I'm talking to men because endometrial makes them nervous. They don't even know like where that is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but diagnosed with cancer, we've never had cancer in our family. So I was not really prepared for that. And, um, you know, it was all the usual things, surgery. And then, um, then next thing we did was, uh, was radiation. And then we did chemotherapy. Just honestly, um, I, I said all through that, I, I'm not worried about surviving cancer. I'm worried about surviving chemo. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so in the body. But through all of that, I found myself in such a place of gratitude. And I know it's because God had prepared my heart for what was coming by having me dig deep in his word on the notion of trusting him in all things and being grateful for what he brings to us, whatever that might be. Um, I wrote an article for uh, the Proverbs 31 um, a few months into my my uh, cancer experience called Six Reasons I'm Thankful for Cancer. Well, people were like, you're what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell you that I still stand on those things because um, our gratitude has to be in the trust of God. We're grateful that he loves us. We are grateful that he knows what's best for us. We're grateful that he has a plan for us and that it's a good plan. Um, I would, you know, and I don't call it, honestly, my cancer journey. I call it my cancer adventure. Um, mm-hmm. It's an adventure. You never know what's coming next. Um, as my uh, oncologist says, Lizzie, we don't so much cure cancer. We just manage it. So we're in the management of portion of my cancer right now. Um, I'm still having treatment every three weeks, but here's how good God is. All last year, I spoke more times than I had in a decade. I did 52 events last year. Wow. With 20 cancer treatments. (laughs) Now, only, only, only God could have sustained me through that. And I believe with all of my heart, there were two things going on. He wanted to prove to me that what I believed about him is absolutely true, that he will sustain us, that he his strength is sufficient. Uh, and I think perhaps he wanted other women to see that too, because it's so easy to say, my circumstances are difficult, therefore um, I have a right to step back in my spiritual growth or even be angry at God or, or question everything he's doing. When you let go of all that and you just say, Lord, I trust you, this journey, this adventure, it's all yours. And I can't wait to see what you have for me. Wow. Life just gets to be a whole lot more fun. Amen. Amen. And, and I think what you're talking about is huge. It's huge because um, I think there's a lot of us, we've kind of Americanized Christianity or we've sort of distilled it down to this formula that if I do this and I do this, 
then God has to do this. Yeah. And when it doesn't turn out that way, there's a lot of women out there probably even listening today who are really discouraged and maybe even disillusioned with God. What would you say to them? Well, first of all, I completely understand. Um, the, the first words to my oncologist were, I don't, this is so silly, I don't have time for cancer because I was looking at my calendar and saying, I'm so sorry, but this is not going to be able to happen because I don't have time for it. And she very gently said, well, Liz, you're going to have to make time for it because it has come to you. And when I realized it has come to me by God's hand, I know some people are not comfortable with that kind of language. Some Christians feel like, no, it could only come from the pit of hell. But when I see what God has done with it, And the good things that have come out of it, I have to say, it was his will for me. And his will for us is always good because it's always about shaping us into the image of his son. So when I look at the good things, and I think that's what we have to do. It's hard when you're physically feeling bad. Um, You know, and I've had other things, other issues, kidney stuff and uh, osteoarthritis in my knees and blah, 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 you know, things. (laughs) Life after 60, it just gets interesting. (laughs) Um, So there's lots to complain about. I fully understand that. That, that everything is not as perfect. And and we're not, girls, come on, we're not 20 anymore, I'd say most of us. In fact, maybe even 30 anymore. And so there are disappointments we have to accept. There are uh, expectations that were not met. There were hopes that were dashed. But what God brings us is the best for us. And if we can settle into that and just trust him in it, It's amazing how he can help us see even the hard things are the good things in the law. I can share just a couple of those because I I love to get very practical about this. Um, Because sometimes, you know, as believers, we throw out these, oh, it's all going to be great. And people are rolling their eyes going, it ain't great at my house. I, I totally get that. So if I can just share a couple of things that I have learned, let's see if they're of any value to you. I have learned that who God says he in is in his word is who God is. So he is faithful. We live in a world where, where very little can be trusted if we're really honest with ourselves. You know, we look around and we feel like sometimes the people we entrust to lead us aren't doing a good job of leading. We've seen problems in government. We've seen problems in our churches. We've seen problems in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in friendships. And so it's easy to say, well, there's just nothing you can trust. I'll tell you who you can trust. You can trust in the faithfulness of God. The other thing I've found is in accepting that that this cancer adventure was his best for me, I come to a great place of peace, Mm. a huge peace. And peace is, I think, one of the things most of us long for even more than prosperity, even more maybe than love, is a sense of peace, of contentment right where we are. Um, And he does handle that. I remember sitting in the front row. I was four days after a chemotherapy treatment. Any of my sisters listening know who've been through cancer, 
The day of your treatment, you feel pretty good because they pump you up with steroids. The next day, you're still hanging in there. Third day, starting to go downhill. The fourth day is the crash. It's the over the cliff. So I'm sitting there in a church, foolishly, having agreed to speak three times, knowing I was going to be a chemo week. What was I thinking? Well, I guess I was thinking I trusted God. (laughs) But I'm in the front row saying, Lord, Lord. I'm not even sure I can walk up the steps to get on this platform. He said, I will give you the strength to walk up those steps. I said, okay, great. But then what about the actual message? He said, I will give you the strength to share the message. In fact, I will surprise you, Liz, with some things you haven't even thought about before that will pour out of your mouth. Do you trust me? So I had no choice. My name was introduced and it was time for me to go up there. So I had to trust God more than I ever have in my life, my speaking, any of it. And of course, because God is who he says he is, um, the words flowed. The strength was there and the pain was gone. Also the, the brain muddiness, they call it chemo brain and it's the real deal. When I sat down, stunned, I said, Lord, that was a hundred percent you and zero percent me. And he laughed and said, Liz, it has always been. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized that's the truth. I keep thinking I bring something to the party. I bring nothing to the party. I barely bring my body to the party. It is really all about him. So now I have a great sense of peace even though I'm, I'm tired, I'll be honest, I, I get very exhausted traveling. I, I just don't have the energy I used to have, but God always shows up. Third thing, uh, maybe you have other questions, is a constant awareness of his presence. You know, sometimes in a worship service, you know this better than anybody, we will invite God to come in. We even sing those words. And I will gently remind all of us, he is already there. Um, He is present. He doesn't go away and come back. He is with us, for us, by our side, on our side. He goes before us and behind us. I mean, he's with us all the time. That can be scary if you're doing something you're thinking, I'm not sure God would like this. Um, But the thing is, he doesn't move. Even when we are unfaithful to him, he is faithful to us. He is present. And so that awareness has never been more real in my life. And it also enables me to actually do a couple of good things a day. (laughs) Instead of, you know, to be, I surprise myself and I know why. It is not because of Lizzie. Lizzie really is no different than Lizzie always was in the flesh. But in the spirit, God is up to something. What a delight that is that he loves us so much. He sticks by us through it all. And he is always, always, always present. Mm, So beautiful. And yet I think the very things that cultivate those things you mentioned are the things that we resist. So how do we, how does that girl out there, that's walking through something. It may, you know, it may not be cancer, but it still feels huge. I, I call, I always say that pain is relative, and if it's my pain, it's relatively painful. And so, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't think we should put it on a scale um, of, of our experience against somebody else's. 
But how do we, in the middle of that place, how do we choose to trust God? What does that look like? I think for me, it's being quiet and listening. I am such a talking girl, yakety yak, yak, yak. Um, and the talking might be verbal as in our conversation right now, or it might be, you know, texting or posting on, on Twitter or Facebook or, or, or any way to express myself. Uh, and part of that's, you know, what, what God has called us to do, but I sometimes just have a trouble shutting it off. And so for me, it means getting quiet with God and focusing on his word and not reading a whole passage, as you said earlier about that checkoff thing. Um, look at Colossians 2, 6 and 7 for a second. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Honestly, dear sister, I think if we could live in those two verses for the rest of our lives, we would get where we need to go. Um, and, and it is for me, it is that, getting it down to a verse at a time, especially when you're hurting. You know, people will often give you books when you're in a place of pain. And you and I love books. We write books. Um, but honestly, in the deep places, I give people a verse. It's like there will come a time when a book will minister to you. But right now, what you need is to pray the pure, straight up word of God. And you just need this one verse or maybe two or three just to park there and let those words heal you. Let those words work on you. I know one of the reasons why God had me speak all through my cancer treatments last year is because the word of God itself has healing power. And so every time I spoke those truths, guess what? They went in my own ears. <laughs> um, and because they're pouring through us, I think it's one of the ways that he heals us. His word is cleansing. It's a double-edged sword. It cuts through everything, pain, sin, it cuts through it, cleans it out. And so, um, you know, it's the simple things. I, I think we can sometimes make it all a little too complicated. It's the simplicity of silence and listening for his voice alone and putting in front of our eyes his word. Yeah, I love that. And I think sometimes we're, we're looking I, I, it occurs to me anyway, I, just as a suggestion, I think sometimes we're, we're looking for that perfect verse and we're like, I don't know what that verse is. I just feel like the Lord would say, what do you already know? What is the truth? Or even looking back, this has helped me looking back. I find myself in a current storm and like Peter, all I can see is the wind and the waves. And it helps me to go back to what I already know. To, to what God has already taught me and, and begin to reestablish that truth over my current situation. Um, and then, and then ask God, ask God for that promise. What is the word that you would have me stand on? But I would agree with you, Liz, that has been, that's been the anchoring point because we can't control our situation, but I do think we've got to control how we think about the situation. You know, I had a, a I have a group of girlfriends that I get together with every January. We've done it for 20 years. 
And there's five of us, and all we do is, well, okay, we do eat, but but we sit there with the Bibles in our laps, and one of us teaches and the rest of us soak up, but we all, you know, throw in what we've learned. These are women who've walked with Jesus for, you know, collectively probably a couple hundred years. But last time we got together, last month, um, one of our senior members made a very wise suggestion because all of us have issues, and I mean all of us, just not my group, all of us, all yeah. of us. I don't know anybody who doesn't have something going on in their lives, whether it's relational, financial, spiritual, physical, something, emotional. So all of us came together, the five of us, after 20 years of this, um, and we all have our issues. And it is so easy to waste a lot of time on those issues with us asking each other, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on? And our wise senior member said, how about we don't talk about those things? We don't ask each other, how are you doing? Which invites a litany of this hurts, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts, or this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And I want to tell you, our three days together were so powerful because we focused on the good news rather than the bad news. And it it was a decision of the will. We're just not going to go down those roads because nothing we're doing here is going to change those situations. Nothing. Talking about them doesn't actually even make you feel better. You think it would. It's like, well, I just need to get this off my chest. But the truth is, rehearsing it again, saying it aloud, sometimes just reemphasizes to you, wow, I really am in trouble. I really am in pain. I really do hurt. This really is a bad situation. And so um, it was truly transforming for our time together. And I've carried that with me since such that when people say, how are you doing? It isn't that we blow it off and say, I'm fine. But we ask ourselves carefully, what are we going to add to the conversation if we run off our litany of things we're not happy about? Wouldn't it be more to the point to say, here's what God is teaching me in this circumstance? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think that the Lord has been kind of dealing with me as well. I'm a verbal processor. And so I'm constantly just talking about how I feel or, or giving into the despair. I'm currently writing a book and that's the hardest thing I do. And, and I just feel like the Lord's saying, Joanna, what if you declared what you know above what you feel? Because, boy, my feelings can cancel out my faith if I'm not careful. Um, I love I love what you're sharing. I wanted to just mention to those who are listening, um, you probably have noticed the beautiful teaching that we received already. And I, I saw over at your Facebook page that you're doing wonderful Wednesdays. And you're actually, you're doing ex- what you're telling us to do. And that's um, sharing what God's Word is speaking. So I want to be sure and have people tune into that. Um, Where else can we connect with you, Liz? Oh, lots of places. You know how it is these days. But I am doing all through 2019. Every Wednesday is a wonderful Wednesday. Uh, And we go about it in different ways. First Wednesday of the month, I get to teach on Facebook Live, which honestly is so fun. I have a full sense of the women that are watching. I know (laughs) 
I can't see them, but I just know in my heart they're there. So I prepare a fresh teaching and um, that has been pure delight, 15, 20 minutes. Second Wednesday, we um, do a, uh, what do we do the second Wednesday? (laughs) (laughs) It just ran out of my head. Um, I write a a blog post that um, talks about uh, a word, a scripture that has the word wonderful in it. So I've chosen those 12 for the year. We also do a wonderful giveaway of three books. And when your new one comes out, I hope you'll let me give away one of them, you know, brand new books that we've all been wanting to read. Um, wonderful books, of course, for my wonderful winners. And then the uh, fourth week, I have out a wonderful little news note that um, just encourages women uh, in the word and also some places I'm speaking or what I'm working on, that kind of thing. So it, I just love a thrust for the year. Of course, a lot of people choose a word for the year, and I just decided to make mine wonderful and Wednesday, so I get to do it 52 times a year. That's <laughs> <laughs> so fun. That's so fun. Well, I have, I could just talk to you forever, Miss Liz. We will have to have you come back, but I just, um, you've given so much really great advice, but if you were able to just step back and from all of your years of experience with the Lord and ministry to women, what one piece of advice would you leave us with today? You know, it's every well, not every woman's, but the vast number of women chose as their favorite verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it is the wisest advice. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Those two verses speak to everything that we can do, and he will give us the power to do. Um, it's I hesitate to ever say we must do, um, because that's a word that gets us in trouble. We get back to works with that. I am a grace girl. I am always going to speak grace. It's all about him. It is never about us. But what his grace does in us can be glorious and glorify him. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, I I have to say that 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 verse speaks to me, and this whole interview speaks to me because I'm actually my new book is about trusting God. Well, there you go. And that verse is the heart of it. So, thank you so much, Liz. Would you mind closing out our time together with a prayer for these women that are listening? Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for those who have carved out time to listen to our conversation. Lord, you know, we pray about what to talk about, but in the end, we just trust you to put the words in our heart and the words in our mouth. And Father, we also trust you to open the hearts and ears of those who are tuning in and and listening to this podcast. Father, I, I would pray for that sister who's not convinced that what is coming her way is for her good. Father, will you give her a fresh view of what it is that you're doing in her life. If she can understand that it is for her good and for your glory. And Lord, you don't mean for her to suffer, but you do ask for us to grow. Growing is never pain-free. There's a breaking open and a pushing through. Father, that's just how growth occurs. It does in the natural world and it certainly does in the spiritual world. So Lord, Help us not be afraid 
for you to break us open, for you to massage and, and deal with our hearts and hold them gently in your hands, even, Lord, as you pry them open so that you can pour more of yourself, your glorious and good self, in us. We thank you, Lord, in the name of your Son, who makes everything possible. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you so much for being with us, Liz. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Whatever you're going through today, my friend, I hope you found encouragement from Liz's story. Listen, you don't have to wait until your trial is over to feel God's love and peace. It's available right now, right here, today. Just open your heart to Him. Walk straight into Jesus' love. He's waiting for you to lean on Him and trust in Him. While you may not see how anything good could come out of your current circumstance, Romans 8.28 promises us, God is able to work all things together for good to those who love Him, to those that are called according to His purposes. Well, I hope you'll check out today's show notes for links to all of Liz's good stuff and don't miss her wonderful Wednesday Facebook Lives. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired. And while you're over at the show notes, I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my email list. You'll receive updates about the podcast and notifications when episodes go live. Until next time, my friend, remember, you are not alone. You have a great big God who loves you, who's watching over you, who wants to reveal himself to you, allowing you to find him in deeper ways than you would have ever found him had you not gone through what you're currently going through. Reach out to Jesus. He's reaching out to you.